She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 8. Ace. All right. Yay. It's been a week and we have fresh air now. Yay. Yeah. September 19th. Date stamp. Yeah. Windows are open. Yeah. It was magical. My apartment had gotten so like muggy and I didn't even realize that it was actually like cool outside. <laughs> and then I got to open my windows and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not even like hot outside. It's just that my apartment has been closed up for so long. Yeah, and we're slowly discovering that, like, as the apartment's freshening out and, like, the air is flowing and what have you, we're realizing, like, all our bedding smells like smoke, our curtains smell like smoke, like, everything in the apartment smells like smoke, but you just didn't realize just because you were still getting seepage, so. Right, I need to wash everything, and I'm still recovering from all the smoke, but I'm I'm feeling so much better. It's, we had rain last night, it's been just really nice. Yeah. Weather-wise. So we've had rain, and this episode has ice. Woo! I know. I was <laughs> when I watched it; it was actually still really hot in my apartment, and I was like, "Oh yay, an Arctic setting! That's what I need." Except they're all they're all hot and sweaty in the building, but we'll get into that. Yes, we will. Okay. This episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. It was directed by David Nutter. It was filmed in Vancouver and Delta, specifically Delta Air Park, which is now called Delta Heritage Air Park in British Columbia. Its original air date was Friday, November 5th, 1993. And it had a viewership of 10 million in the United States. Nice. So I guess this was supposed to be what they call a bottle episode, which is like it's one set, limited cast, limited production needs. So it's like a low budget episode. Something they can get in, get out, you know, and save some money. Right. Because I guess apparently they'd been going over budget on the last few episodes. And so they needed to claw back some money to, you know, spread out over the season. And so this script actually was planned for later in the season, but they moved it up. However, this one ended up going over budget as well. Oh, no. Yes. So let's hear what costs so much money. (laughs) So in this episode, there is a crew drilling ice cores near the Arctic Circle in Alaska, and they drop all contact with the outside world after a disturbing final transmission. Mulder and Scully, along with the small crew, go up to find out what happened. It seems they may have pulled something sinister out of the ice. And it might be alien. Yeah, aliens. Sinister aliens. In the ice. (laughs) Yes, so we're at the Arctic Ice Core Project. Icy Cape, Alaska, 250 miles north of the Arctic Circle. We open on a small research center that's surrounded by a blizzard. Then we cut to inside, and we see a temperature gauge that says negative 35 degrees, and that is Celsius. So the outside temperature is negative 35 degrees Celsius. And there's a dog whimpering and kind of going around looking for something to eat. We also see as the dog's walking around, there's like a hand laying here, and we see someone's head laying there. I mean, not like detached or anything, but like we see like some either passed out or, you know, more likely dead people laying on the floor. And he walks, you know, past some other people. But there's one person still alive. And he's walking around. And he's bloody. And he's shirtless. And he's sweaty. Yeah. And I definitely thought this guy was Mulder for a second. Because you don't see him super well. And then I was wondering if maybe it was one of those things where, like, they start at the end and flash back. 
afterwards. Oh. So I didn't know if maybe like it was starting at the end of the episode and then we were going to see Mulder all messed up and then it was going to flash back to what happened, but it is not Mulder. So it, no, it just for a minute, I was like, is that Mulder? It's not. Okay. No, the dog, however, is Mulder adjacent because apparently the dog is the parent, which I'm guessing they mean mother. Cause like no one specifies of David Duchovny's dog, which is named blue. So nice. that is like the parent of David Duchovny's dog. But like, so is that also his dog or is like, is a family member's dog or a friend's dog? Like, or maybe it was like a dog that they brought in and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, this dog is having puppies or has sired puppies. That's and they're true available. because like the descriptions are vague and every single source seems to use the exact same sentence that says like, this is the parent of David Duchovny's dog, Blue. And that's all you get. And, like, no one cites anything. So it's very possible, like, this was the dog. And then later it birthed David Duchovny's dog. We actually don't know that. That means, like, he had the dog at the time. And this is the dog's parent. Right. I would guess it was probably like, by the way, if you like this dog, this dog is the parent of some mm, puppies. A I had not thought of that. That's okay. Mm. He could have second pair of eyes on that <laughs> or second pair of ears or a second brain, whatever. Anyway, so the man, he turns on a camera and then he sits down in a chair in front of the camera. Well, first he flips on like a transmitter and he turns on the camera and then he sits down in the chair and he's all just like, we are not who we are. It stops right here, right now. You know, we're not who we are. And then someone tackles him, boom, and they fight. And then on the floor, and he grabs a gun. He'd been walking around with a gun before, but I guess when the other guy tackled him, he dropped the gun. So then he grabs the gun, and the other guy gets up, and he has a gun too. And then they kind of like, they're just like total standoff, like guns pointing at each other, like, you know, basically like double arm length apart. So like the guns actually are crossing over each other. That's how far apart they are. And then the one guy just like puts the gun down. So the shirtless guy, because the other guy has a shirt. The shirtless guy puts his, gun, puts his gun down, like just lowers his arm. And the guy with the shirt kind of looks at him suspiciously. And then very slowly, the guy with no shirt picks the gun up and puts the gun up against his head. And the guy in the shirt is now really kind of confused looking, but then kind of like something clicks in his head and he slowly pulls his gun up to his head. And then we cut to outside and we hear bang, bang. And then the lights go off for some reason. And then we get the theme song. Yep. <laughs> theme song. Yeah. So apparently we'll find out in the next scene that the guy with no shirt is named Richter. And he was actually the stunt coordinator for the series. So, nice. And he got lines and everything, too. I When I read that the stunt coordinator was one of the guys, I kind of assumed it was the other guy because the other guy doesn't actually talk. But I was wrong. It's actually the talky guy. The other guy, however, is dressed very similar to Roddy Piper in John Carpenter's They Live. He's got like the blue flannel shirt. He's kind of got that same kind of, not necessarily like a mullet style, but he's got that kind of longish blonde hair. So I'm not sure if that's like an homage to the epic fight scene from They Live, or if there's maybe something else going on that we'll talk about later. So, yeah. Maybe. Is They Live the one with the guy who has like the glasses? The sunglasses, and can see yeah. The propaganda. And can see yep, propaganda. Okay, and that, yeah. And that all the people are aliens, and so you can see them. Yes. Yep. I have seen that movie. Yep. And there's that epic fight scene where he's trying to get the other guy to put on the glasses. He doesn't want to put on the glasses. So they have this big fight in the alley that lasts like, I think like five minutes or something. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so I was wondering like, if that was a little, like a little homage, but then also I'm not sure maybe there's something else going on here, which we're going to yeah. discuss eventually. 
Okay. <laughs> maybe sooner, maybe later. We'll discuss it for sure. So then after the theme song, we kind of see like a TV screen and like VHS tapes. I don't know what it's called, but like the little signals or whatever that used to be on VHS tapes. And then we see a small crew and one of them identifies himself as Captain Richter. That's the guy who was previously shirtless. They're all now dressed fully. Yeah. And, and none, of them, none of them are bloody or dead or anything. No, they're happy. They announced they've just surpassed the previous record for drilling down into an ice sheet. So they high five. They're all celebratory. And then it cuts out of the video and we see Mulder is watching it. He's in some kind of like computer room at the FBI. And Scully is there. And he tells her that this team of scientists were sent to Alaska to drill into the ice to kind of reveal evidence of what the Earth's climate has been throughout the centuries and eons. And there's a word that I'm not thinking of that means longer periods of time. <laughs> longer periods of time. Yeah. So basically to figure out, like, if they drill down into this ice core, they can figure out what gases were in the atmosphere and stuff like that. Yeah. And so apparently their work was a success. And then all of a sudden, communication stopped. And then there was a week with no communication. And then the last video came through. And we see that. Mulder plays that for Scully. And it's the one where the man is sitting in the chair saying, we're not who we are. And then as soon as the other guy attacks him, the video just cuts off. Right. And that transmission actually has a date stamp in the front, like a little screen that says November 5th, 1993, 8.30 AST, which is Atlantic Standard Time, which the only places in North America that follow Atlantic Standard Time are New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and parts of Labrador, Newfoundland, and Quebec. So I'm not sure why they're using AST for the transmission, but yeah. Maybe just because it sounds far away i guess yeah i was thinking it was like alaska standard time but then i looked it up and it was like no it's actually the other way so it's actually one notch in front of eastern time so for us on the west coast it's actually four hours ahead whereas east coast is three hours ahead eastern standard time but watching this i kind of i don't know why i hadn't thought of it before i don't know about you but as i'm rewatching these right i'm watching them in letterbox format so in widescreen which is like normal now but back in 1993, that was not normal. They were using like the four to three ratio that regular TVs used. Right. So I was thinking like, did they shoot this in widescreen? Which wouldn't seem to make much sense. Why would they do that if it's a TV show, right? But I'm actually thinking now, like they're actually probably doing like some kind of like vertical pan and scan and they're cropping off the top and the bottom. Probably. Of, of the actual episodes. Because I noticed when that came up, that little that little title thing came up in that thing, it barely fit on the screen. Like, it was almost like cutting the lower letters off. And so I'm wondering, like, oh, I wonder if they're actually, like, trimming it to fit on a widescreen now, which means we're actually losing some of the framing. But. Yeah, and, you know, I know, like, that has happened, and, like, there's been, like, shows like The Simpsons where they've done that, and the the way that they cut it off actually like destroys some of the sight gags that were in the Mm -hmm. show because like it just cuts off enough that you're not getting the whole information. And that's something I hadn't thought about either. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause the old days that was always what they had to do to put movies on television because televisions were narrower than movie screens. And that's why they call it pan and scan. Cause it wasn't just like, we just take the middle. They would like, you know, move from side to side, depending on what, where the action was taking place kind of thing. So sometimes you'd get, right. a, sometimes you would be in the middle. Sometimes you'd be getting the left part of the screen. Sometimes you'd be getting the right part of the screen, but I, they must be doing something like that up and down wise for this, because like when the, when we open, we do get 
the text at the bottom telling us where we're at. So that means they're probably just cutting off all the top. But then throughout the rest of the episode, they must be like maneuvering it in the middle somewhere. So yeah. I but I hadn't thought about that. That's kind of like, oh, that is kind of sucky. But yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, I watch the episodes on my phone, so it kind of doesn't matter. Are you watching your phone? Yeah, I watch it on my <laughs> phone because then I have my headphones on, everything, oh, nice. you know. And uh, yeah, but anyway, so. Anyhow. Yeah, so Scully <laughs> asks what happened up there. While she's watching it, she is looking like very upset watching him like yeah i mean it's upsetting it's yeah. an upsetting i mean thing it is just watch. like it is just like some because we only see like not even half of his face we see like the upper third and like half of his face we see like one eye part of a nose i'm not even sure we see his mouth when he's talking so we don't see a lot just because he's so out of it he's not even like in the frame but yeah she's looking right. we actually don't see the video again because we saw it the first time we actually just really see her reaction to it we see the opening part with his eye and then all the rest is just her reaction to it. So it's like it's like a reaction video, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she looks really disturbed, and mm-hmm. she asked Mulder what happened. He's like, "No one knows." But they, lucky them, got the assignment to go up there and find out. So Scully figures it must be like some isolation, distress, like mental, you know, psychology thing. But Mulder's like, "No, they were all like handpicked, like you know, physically, mentally, everything, like specialty wise, to do what they were doing." So, but then he tells her she needs to pack her mittens because they have a three-day window to get up there and get back before storms trap them up there. So, they're leaving. Boom. Yep. So, apparently, I guess there's no FBI office in Alaska because they're going to send Mulder and Scully. Yeah, I don't know how many, like, satellite offices the FBI has, but I can imagine. I assume what they would have one, like, in every state. You would think so. I mean, maybe not, like, on the East Coast because, like, Rhode Island is probably, you know small enough and close enough they don't need to have one but who knows right yeah i don't know anyway maybe they just i mean Mulder does make a joke about how that maybe they're just expendable so maybe they're yeah. just picking these people and who knows well, maybe the fbi is like i bet it's aliens that send Mulder. yeah so. yeah that's probably exactly what they thought blevins yep. was like this seems like Mulder's type of thing yeah that's totally i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sign this one right off boom 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 <laughs> yep all the money He's you paying need for that yeah, trip. all the money you need first class let's go well, actually, not first class, as we find out, but... Well, they might have first class to get to Alaska. <laughs> so we do see Scully and Mulder arrive at a small airport, and this is in Alaska, presumably. They haven't flown up to the station yet. Right. And they meet Denny Murphy, and he's a professor of geology from UC San Diego, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And then two others arrive, and this is Dr. Hodge, who's a doctor. Medical doctor. And yeah. a... T- <laughs> Well, they're all doctors, but like he's actually like a physician. Yeah, like a medical doctor. A real doctor. And then a toxicologist named Dr. De Silva. And she's played by Felicity Huffman, which I recognized her. It took me a minute to figure out who she was. But she does look very much how you would think of Felicity Huffman. (laughs) Just a little younger, a little scrappier, hair's a little messier. And Hodge asks them all to show identification so they make sure we know who we are, which is kind of a weird thing to say. I don't know if he's seen the video that Mulder and Scully have. Yeah, there's some ambiguity because, like, Mulder and Scully asked them, like, well, did you see the video? And they're like, well, yeah, but you guys are FBI. We assume you know more than we do. Right. They so definitely, like some, yeah. Hodge and De Silva definitely do not trust Mulder and Scully, as, and we'll learn later that they really don't trust them. Mm-hmm. But at this point, 
so they all just kind of flip out their badges and IDs and show each other so everyone knows who everyone is and there's no whatever. Whatever Hodge is worried about, no one's an imposter, which is weird because he's worried about the FBI. So, like, anyway, I don't know who he thinks would show up instead. <laughs> Maybe he just wants to know exactly who they are and, like, get a badge number so he can, like, write an angry letter later. Yeah, he's going to care in him. Uh, and then a hotshot pilot shows up. His name is Bear, and he arrives in his Jeep, and he hops out, and he's, like, heading to the plane, and Hodge is like, hey, can I get some credentials? And he basically says, I'm the only pilot willing to fly where you're going, so if you don't like it, you can go ahead and walk. Yeah, and Bear is played by Jeff Kober, and, like, I saw the name on the credits, like, in the, when, the, when the episode opens, we get the credits, and I was like, Jeff Kober, like, that name, like, was really familiar to me. So I went and looked him up, and so on my other podcast, we recently talked about the movie Tank Girl, which um, is not recommended. And he plays Booga, huh. who is a dog who had been upgraded to a human who was then turned into a kangaroo human hybrid super soldier and then became the boyfriend of Lori Petty's character, Tank Girl. However, fun fact, Stan Winston Studios created the kangaroo hybrid makeup for the movie. And they also created a $5,000 12-inch prosthetic kangaroo penis for a scene that was supposed to be with Tank Girl and Booga consummating their relationship. But the censors decided, like, no, we can't have that in the movie. So, huh. yeah. But in better roles, like, he played Dodger from 1988 to 1991 in China Beach, which is a show that I actually used to watch sometimes because uh, Dana Delaney was in it. So okay. I, that's where I recognized him from. Cause like, after I saw him on screen, I was like, Oh, I totally know this guy from something. And then when I looked him up, I was like, Oh, he's Booga, which I did not recognize him from. Cause he's totally in kangaroo makeup. Although the voice is there, but he's uh, totally channeling like the Steven Tyler with that mouth and his longer hair in this episode. I gotta say. Yeah. I definitely thought he looked like Steven Tyler. I knew it wasn't Steven Tyler, but he definitely has that. Yeah. But he's definitely got a very look. distinctive jawline. And so once I saw that he was in China beach, I'm like, Oh yeah, he plays that Marine. Who's like the, you know, the shell shock Marine, like the stereotypical Marine you got in movies in the late eighties, early nineties. So anyway, ramble, ramble, ramble. Sorry. Wrong podcast. That's okay. <laughs> so we get a small shot of the charter plane gliding through the air with the mountains underneath. And then they arrive at the outpost and they, bust open the door. We're, we're getting the scene from the inside. They bust open the door and there's bodies everywhere. Well, at least yeah. five bodies, right? Cause there were five people. Yeah. And Scully's like, where should we start? And Hodge is like, well, we got body bags on the plane, but Mulder is like, before we touch anything, we need to make sure and examine and document the scene. So I don't know what's up with that. Mulder, yeah. Like, I know. Usually pod, he's the one who's like grabbing Mulder. evidence. <laughs> yeah. Pod person Mulder. And then he finds a fridge which I guess is actually probably supposed to be a freezer, but apparently now is a fridge because the power was out with um, ice core samples and they're getting all melty. And he's like, oh, that's what they were drilling for. And it's like, duh, they were drilling for ice cores. Yeah. And then we get a close up of one and, you know, stuff dripping out of it. And it's, it's like a, it's like a dirty core. So it's probably yeah. got like soil samples and that kind of stuff. So yeah, sediment and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So my first thought when I saw the plane was, I don't know if you ever watched Wings. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I immediately thought of Wings, and then I was like, I don't know. It just reminded me of Wings, which made me happy because I used to really love that show. I don't know how well it holds up now. <laughs> it, pr- probably. It, probably does, it probably doesn't do too bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I know the cast is super white, and I'm sure it's not. It's. I know it has a lot of like fat jokes, but otherwise, true. Yeah, because the one female character apparently used to be really overweight, Helen Chapel. Yeah. Yes, but it's got Stephen Weber. 
It's got um, crap. What's his Tim name? Daly. The guy, yeah, the guy who does Superman's voice in the animated movies. Yeah, and, and it's, it's got, got Peter Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. It's got Tony. Who Shalhoub. plays Monk as well? Yeah. So. So anyway, apparently this is our let's talk about other television episode. Yeah. I don't know. So but, I mean, I will say I'm pretty sure that was probably like stock footage oh, that, they, that they purchased. Not one hundred percent. Not that the Wings episode was. Oh, I mean, maybe the Wings episode was stock footage too. If it was, they got like their money's worth out of that thing. But yeah. No, I think this definitely was, and it's different footage. It's obviously not like the ocean right. going yeah, to Nantucket or anything. Right. It's just it's a little small charter plane flying through the air, and it just sounds like wings. <laughs> Got you that that nineties nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, and then um, the vial kind of looked like really dirty frozen orange juice to me because it's got like all the orange yellow stuff in it. Yeah, know. you need to buy better quality. I don't juice. buy that kind. <laughs> okay. I don't. Okay. Because I haven't it, had it. In maybe time. because it looks like that. Well, yeah. I, anyway so like they're walking around looking at stuff and the silva gets scared because like the generator clicks on which you know is a good thing but like the noise obviously is jarring and then Mulder's like oh it's just a generator it's fine and then this dog which is the dog we saw previously jumps out and attacks them and they get the dog restrained and hodge manages to give it a sedative which apparently he has with him which makes sense if you're going up there and you don't know what's going on or People yeah, are, I wasn't sure if he pulled it out of his bag or it was like something that was already like on the counter that a party didn't get. But I'm assuming it was like in his bag or something. He must have had it because he knew exactly what it was. And it, I can't imagine he would just grab something and like stick it into the dog. Oh, no. But so they get the dog sedated and Mulder's okay. But we know Bear got bitten and the teeth, the dog's teeth broke his skin. Yeah, because he's got and blood Scully, all on his fingers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so he's all bloody. And Scully thinks it might be rabies because that would explain like the aggression and all the deaths, like if they all had rabies. So she kind of examines the dog and finds that he has these black nodules under his armpit, which are like these swollen lymph nodes, which are a known bubonic plague symptom. Mm. And. So she's wondering about that. And then he also has like a skin irritation. Like he's been scratching a lot on his like, I mean, I forget exactly where it was, but like he had been scratching. So it's, you know. Yeah, we kind of don't get an idea of where that part of the body is when they're looking at it. Yeah. Right. And so, and then as they're looking at it, they see something move beneath his skin. And then he's like, what the hell was that? And Bear, who is all bloody and whatever, goes into the bathroom to clean himself up. And he notices he now has those same black nodules under his armpit. Yeah, I like Denny because Denny, like, he's just like, what the hell was that? Right, yeah. But Denny's like the most likable character so far. Oh, I love him. Yeah. He's the best. He, like, listens yeah. to baseball on his radio and just tries to, like, focus on what's yeah. going on. Like old baseball. Involved. Like, he has recordings on cassettes and listens on his Walkman. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Denny's cool. Yeah. Uh, we should specify that, like, so bear, booga, whatever you want to call him. So when they find those nodules on the dog, he sees those, but then he gets up and goes to the bathroom before they see whatever it was that was all underneath yeah. the skin. Yeah. So, although I gotta say, that's like some fast acting shit because like he got bit, <sighs> he goes to the bathroom, he's finished, I think he's like, he's just finished wrapping up. He's like getting ready to like, like leave the bathroom, I think. And then he's like, oh, and he falls on the toilet. And then he like lifts his shirt up and he's got those black bubbly things. Under no, his that's skin, so. really quick. Cause like, obviously I've never had the bubonic plague, <laughs> but I have, you know, when you get sick and your, your lymph nodes get also on, like, it's not like an immediate right. thing. And yeah. so, yeah, it's really fast. acting. So it, so it probably would have hurt if they just like sprouted like that. I imagine. So. Yeah, I would have to. Cause how? Yeah. So it's a little bit later and Scully has done autopsies on the original crew. 
And since it's clear, they all, the first three killed each other. And then obviously the last two killed themselves, right? Right. The first three show signs of strangulation. And then, the, as I said, the two killed themselves. Bear is like, well, did any of them have the black nodules like the dog has? And he's like a little sweaty and a little <laughs> voice trembly as he's talking. And Scully's like, no. So he asks that the spots are related to their deaths. And Hodge is like, well, we can't know for sure because I just went back and looked at the dog and the spots are gone. So, yeah. hmm. Hmm, suspicious. Yeah. Scully, by the way, just looks really awesome in this scene. <laughs> like she's wearing flannel, her hair's up. I just think she looks really nice. So, I mean, you know, she's Pacific Northwest 1990s. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good look. I like it. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> also, Bear is 100% that dude in a zombie movie who doesn't tell anyone he's been bitten. Like, that is exactly what's happening. Yeah. And no one picks up on the fact that, like, the guy who got bit by the dog that has weird, like, disease stuff going on is suddenly acting all, like, restless and asking very specific questions about things that he <laughs> normally wouldn't give a rat's ass about. Right. So, yeah. You know, they're all on edge. They're probably <laughs> like, oh, he's probably just curious or uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So Mulder shows Denny a contour map of the ice sheet and Denny says the map shows it's about 3000 meters deep, but there's actually a document that shows that the team while they were drilling learned that it's twice as deep. And Denny says, according to their records, they'd actually been drilling into a meteor that was beneath the ice. Oh, And um, Glenn Morgan said part of his inspiration for this episode was reading an article in Science News about a team in Greenland that had dug something over 250,000 years old out of the ice. Mm-hmm. Which no one cites the article. Right. So, <coughs> who goes there? <coughs> the Thing by John Carpenter. <coughs> Ooh, I think I need some water. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> ah, there we go. That's much better. Yeah, okay. No, actually, rant incoming. So, Glenn Morgan... The same person who said that Ghost in the Machine wasn't as good of an episode because, you know, they were afraid to steal from 2001 when, like, in reality, they only could have stolen from it more if the building had actually been like a spaceship. I mean, yeah. Right. So I got it from an article. <laughs> sure. I mean, at least Chris Carter had, like, the balls to say, like, oh, this was also influenced by Who Goes There, which is a nice literary inspiration, not some lowbrow, like, oh, we stole from a movie. So anyway, <laughs> no one cites it except for me because I did some research. People who write books about the X-Files do some research and actually cite your information. So July 3rd, 1993, Drill Nears Bottom of Greenland Ice Cap, Science News, Volume 144, Number 118. I actually owned this issue in 1993 because when I was doing the research, I got to see all the covers and I'm like, holy shit. So I used to subscribe to Science News and all those covers I recognized. So I actually had this issue at one point. It was a weekly weekly magazine. But then also June 1993 Science article and July 15th, 1993 New York Times article about the European-led Greenland Ice Core Project, which for some reason goes by GRIP, G-R-I-P. So like used, I guess, the G-R from Greenland and then dropped the C from Core. Anyway, so the articles are about climate differences, which go back 250,000 years. So they were, you know, doing their cores and they were going back 250,000 years. Nothing, they didn't dig up anything shocking, nothing unexpected. I mean, unless like ice is unexpected. And then later, Morgan is also quoted as saying that like, after they wrote the episode, he later read another article that said, 
they had thawed something out from the ice cores and it was an eerie coincidence. And again, I'm like, well, unless like ice and water is an eerie coincidence because they have to thaw it out to examine the soil and the water samples. So I think he's full of bullshit, honestly. <laughs> but And then also coincidentally, this episode marks the beginning of Graham Murray's role as the art production designer for the series. And he also worked on John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, and he designed the entire set for this episode. Okay. So, like, oh, I got this inspiration from an article. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Glenn Morgan's <laughs> starting to get on my nerves, honestly. Glenn more, Morgan will never be a guest on this podcast. <laughs> no, the more the more we do the show, I mean, we're only like eight <laughs> episodes in, and he's already, like, on my last nerve. So, anyway. <laughs> but if yeah. you want to come on and explain your side, we'll have you. We'll have you. Yeah. But don't be expecting those softball questions. So. <laughs> so meanwhile, Hodge is like loudly telling Scully she's wrong, which I don't know, I guess because he needs to draw attention to how wrong she is. And she's a woman. <laughs> it's the 90s. Yeah, I mean, probably. Anyway, so Mulder comes over and Scully says that um, when she was going testing the blood samples of the, the dead people, she found ammonium hydroxide in their blood. And De Silva, the toxicologist, is like, well, I didn't find anything like that in the air ventilation system, so it's weird that it was in their blood. Yeah, but we also find out she's not maybe a good scientist. But yeah. <laughs> but Denny found it in the ice samples, so there is ammonium hydroxide around. And he also found something alive, and it's microscopic. And Scully says she found the same microscopic organisms in Richter's blood. And De Silva's like, well, nothing could survive in sub-zero temperatures for millions of years. Yeah, but then Mulder's like, unless that's how it lives. Boom, take that supposed toxicology expert who now thinks she's a paleobiologist. Mm, <laughs> right. But yeah, I like, like, Scully totally buries the lead. Like, so I found ammonium hydroxide in their blood. Oh, and by the way, like these creatures that no one's ever seen before also. But yeah, well, I, I, did, I forgot about that. <laughs> I think it's because she's arguing with Hodge about it at that point, because Hodge is basically telling her that finding this ammonium hydroxide is impossible. Like, it wouldn't be in their blood, which, I mean, they're yeah, dead, but if, so but maybe if you it found, can't be... But if you found ammonium hydroxide and you find animals in their blood that you've never seen before, which one are you going to bring up first? Well, the one that you're arguing with Dude about, because he's... But you're only arguing about, about it. it because you brought it up first. Maybe she already told him about the organisms and he got all hung up on the other thing. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So Bear's like, hey, you know what? The men killed themselves and we're done and let's get the hell out of here. And Mulder's like, uh, uh, we can't do that. Um, there is a strange new organism here and we can't be bringing back dead bodies or go home without proper quarantine because we might be bringing back the next plague. And Hodge is like, well, there's no way we'd be infected because we took all the necessary precautions, which I'm like, well, you aren't in hazmat suits, so you didn't take all the necessary precautions. Right. And then De Silva's like, and the dog bit Bear, and Bear's like, well, the dog attacked Mulder too, and starts getting all, Wah! but yeah. Yeah. And also, like, on? not only do they not wear hazmat suits, but like, they don't know anything about this organism. So how do they know they're not exposed? Like, they don't know if it's airborne. Yeah. And they only mentioned the organism because Denny brought it up. Yeah. And I mean, we're living in the time of like a new virus where we don't know anything about it. So I think this hit like probably differently than it did in the 90s. But it's very much like, you know, nothing about this thing. You don't know if you're carrying it right now. Like, you have no idea, sir. You take a step yeah. back. I don't love Hodge that much. 
No, he's very, yeah. He's also very familiar. The actor who plays him is very familiar looking. The only thing I'd, I could find that I think I might recognize him from was I guess he was in a Terminator 2. Okay. But I can't think of who he played in Terminator 2. Huh. So, but that's the only thing I could, when I was looking at his CV, that's the only thing I could really recognize that he was in. So, oh, uh, Bear is also apparently in like The Walking Dead. Oh, okay, too. yeah. Okay, you know what? I think I've seen him in that. Yeah, he plays Joe, who's, I don't, I'm not familiar with that character but i like i I never watched the show and i stopped reading spoiler a few issues after like glenn gets killed so right so scully's like no i'm a scientist unlike all you other people here who don't know what you're doing and a scientist will eliminate any possibility that any of us are infected so they all have to provide blood samples and stool samples. And she starts handing out these convenient jars that apparently are just hanging around for collecting stool samples. I don't know who brought them or if they were already there. <laughs> it's a but lab. Bear's they have like, equipment. Yeah. But Bear's like, looks at it. and was like, yeah, no. And like throws it against a piece of computer equipment and like storms off. Like he's going to get in this plane and he's going to leave. And they're like, um, we can't let him leave. He's going to like in you know, infect everyone and endanger everything. And so they decide they're going to have to restrain him. So Bear comes back out and, you know, they kind of talk to him. Mulder actually pulls a gun on him. And then is like, so he's like, okay, fine. Give me the jar. So they give him the jar. And then they're like, okay, cool. And then Mulder turns his back and he smacks Mulder over the head of the jar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really aggressive. Like he, the attack, he is playing nice really well. And then he just like turns and smacks Mulder with the jar. And yeah, so, well, I mean, obviously, obviously he was faking. He wasn't. Really oh, yeah. That. But I he mean, was, his acting was good. Yeah. Like even in show, like he was acting really calm. Yeah. Bear and Mulder scuffle and they managed to get Bear against the table. And so, like, he's kind of like arms on the table bent over and they're like holding him down so Hodge can sedate him. Hodge and that hypodermic man. Oh he's yeah, no, it. he's all about that sedative. Whatever he brought, <laughs> he's like ready to use it. But I mean, at this point, like I get it. He's being like, aggressive and unreasonable. Yeah. And as they're doing that, they see something moving around under bare skin at the base of his neck. And so Hodge is like, give me my scalpel. And they, they cut it out. He like pulls the worm thing out and it's like two or three inches, maybe even smaller than that. It's like this. Well, little... It's like, all he's like pulling it out. And it's like, like a rubber band. He's like, yeah. and like, pop snaps out and like gunky blood but then it snaps down to like this little thing yeah and Mulder runs to the radio and he calls Doolittle Airfield and he requests a pickup and he says they need serious quarantine procedures and the radio operator tells him she can't get a plane out due to a storm and they basically need to get out within the next hour or they're going to be stuck for a day or two and he's like oh I thought we had three days and she's like well you can't predict the storms and welcome to the north or something like that yeah. yeah So Mulder relays the news, but when he does, Scully's really stone-faced, and she tells him that Bear has died. Oh, okay. So maybe Hodge isn't such a good medical doctor. <laughs> He's probably... Well, I mean, you're like, you're like pulling stuff out of someone's spine. So, yeah, yeah. maybe, you know. I mean, he's probably not, but I'm not going to pin that on him. So I guess the worm under the skin effect was created by makeup artist Toby Lindala. Apparently, at one point, the prosthetic started to tear, and Lindala was freaking out, and Morgan recalls that he was so nervous he was sweating. Yeah, just stop talking, Morgan. <laughs> just 
stop talking. Yeah, I guess originally they were going to like make like a whole body cast of like the actors. Yeah. And like put like mechanical stuff into there. And then this guy was like, you know, we could maybe do this easier and cheaper. And so, yeah. And then apparently they liked his work. And so he like stuck on and apparently does a lot of the other work. I wonder who it was that did a Kip's ear though, because that was really good. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same guy. Yeah, I don't know. I guess if we went back and look at credits, maybe we need to start paying more attention to the credits. I'm not sure. Anyway. Also, they had included extra seconds of the worm beneath the skin effect because they basically assumed Fox's standards and practices were going to make them cut it down. So instead of just putting in what they wanted, they tried to extend it for a long time. So they ended up with these like four second scenes because Fox didn't actually ask them to cut anything out. Yeah, so we get, like, more of Glenn, Teflon, Morgan here. It's like, oh, why are there, like, four seconds of footage in there? That seems like a lot of footage that is unnecessary. He's like, well, we included extra because we figured Fox would make us cut it down, and then they didn't. And it's like, oh, so then you just left it in, even though you didn't need all that? And then, like, it's like, "Mm, yeah. I mean, maybe the prosthetic was really hard to build and put together, and so they were like, well, we should show a lot of it because this guy worked really hard. Yeah, I think they just were like, oh, yeah. Glenn Morgan, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'm done with Glenn Morgan. <laughs> oh, anyway. So Hodge says the worm is similar to a tapeworm because obviously, you know, they, they got it out and it's alive. So it's, they put it, they put it in a jar. I guess they put it in a jar with like ammonium hydroxide because they like poured liquid in there so it can swim around. And he's like, oh, it's similar to a tapeworm, but it's not like any tapeworm I've ever seen. And then Scully finds one in one of the bodies. So, like, Sherry did autopsies, and now she's just, like, finding other stuff in there. Maybe she knows what she's looking for. I don't know. But so she finds another one that was alive. All the other bodies, the worms were dead. So, and they were all found in the hypothalamus gland. So now they've got two worms in two jars of, I'm assuming, ammonium hydroxide. And Hodge theorizes that it might be a parasite that thrives on something that excretes aggression from the hypothalamus because the hypothalamus kind of controls that kind of stuff. And so Scully's like, well, parasites wouldn't want to kill their hosts. But then Hodge is like, well, the hosts only die when the parasite is removed because it released some kind of poison. Cause I guess when he pulled it out of bear, it like squirted some black stuff everywhere too. And on top of all like the blood that was coming out of his neck. Mm-hmm. And so Scully is like, well, why did the last two men kill themselves then? And Mulder's like, maybe they did it to save us. Yeah, it wasn't clear how Bear died until now. And so I guess there was some kind of poison it excreted. Yeah, because like I said, because there was blood. But then also like when the worm snaps out, like when it finally releases his body and they pull it out. Like there's also like some like really dark liquid that kind of goes like splatters everywhere. Yeah. And it gets on Hodge. Ooh. Yeah, but anyway. So then we cut to a little later and Scully's hanging out in the area where they're keeping the corpses and she's apparently just double checking stuff. She's clearly checking at this point. Yeah, triple checking. I mean, she's exhausted, but she wants to find a way to kill this parasite because they obviously want to leave and they can't leave until this parasite's under control. And Mulder, of course, is like, well, I don't know if we should kill it. It might be an alien life form from this meteorite that they accidentally drilled into. And, of course, Mulder wants to save the aliens, even evil little worm aliens. Yeah. Well, panspermia, right? So, like, life from outer space on Earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Scully points out how fast Bear went from being 
infected to totally aggressive. Mulder thinks they need to keep it alive so they can learn how to stop it. So it's not just that he wants to save it. He wants to make sure that we know how to like stop it if it ever comes back or if. Yeah, because Scully's like, what if it got like in a city like from New York, like if the whole city can become infected in just a few days. Right. And so so very important that we note how fast Bear went aggro. Right. It seems like that's probably a definite symptom. Yes. So keep an eye on the aggression. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of aggression, so Mulder and Scully are arguing and we cut to outside the little, I guess, like whatever side area she's using, like as a morgue, basically, mm-hmm. to keep the bodies cool. So maybe like it's not heated because we also know like the apparently the building, like the heater's not working right. So everyone's getting all kind of hot and sweaty. And so we hear them arguing. Denny is kind of like looking like Denny looks almost like like when you hear your parents arguing, like when you're a little kid, because he's like he's like puts his headphones in and it's like, I don't want to hear mom and dad fighting and like puts his headphones in, listen to his ball games. Right. And De Silva is talking to Hodge and she's like, it's so hot in here. He's like, don't worry, you don't have a fever. It's just a heater, no malfunctioning. And she's like, can you hear what they're arguing about? And he's like, probably some government secret stuff. So Hodge is maybe a conspiracy theorist. Okay. And he thinks they knew what was going on before they arrived. And then he points out that Bear's blood got on Scully. But Silva says it also got on you. So De Silva's really good about pointing out that people keep getting stuff on them. Like she was like, dog bit Bear and the blood got on you too. So Yeah, that's pretty much her primary function is to point out that other people might be yeah. infected. <laughs> So the others walk in on their argument because they're basically like, well, if they're not going to stop arguing, let's go see what's going on. Yeah. And they're, and they're getting louder and louder as the scene plays out. Right? They are. You can hear them ramping up. So they're definitely like, at this point, almost like yelling at each other. Right. So they walk in and Scully is arguing with Mulder and saying they need to incinerate the bodies to be sure that they've destroyed the organism. And Hodge says, Scully is a little stressed out. And I'm like, you think? Like, <laughs> they've been up for how many hours? They're in this place where like five people died and there's a weird parasite going around. So I would be stressed. And Mulder points out that they're all exhausted and scared and they all just need to get some sleep. Hodge says that they should be checked for spots first to make sure no one's infected. And Scully aggressively agrees. Yeah. He's also like, you think any of us are going to be able to sleep right now? Right. So, which fair, fair point. So they decide to split up. So, you know, women check women, men check men. So we got the three dudes doing their little strip tease. Mulder has his little, before we go any further, I just want to remind everybody that we are in the Arctic because he's like getting ready to take his pants off. Yeah. So, so, they, so they check each other and then we get the little um, kind of the way it's shot is a little, I'm not sure, of, of De Silva and Scully checking each other out. And so maybe a little, a little sultry action going yeah, on. Yeah, it's really so sure. weird. Because with the men, they just kind of show them like they're about to take off their clothes and then they cut. Yeah, there's a wide shot with all three of them, full body. And they're pulling off their shirts and they're getting ready to drop their pants, right? And then we cut to the women and it's like they're all up close on each other. And we just get like upper torso shots. And like Scully's got like her hand hiding the Silva's breast from the camera. And she's checking, you know, because the silver has her arms up in the air. And then when she's done, she's like, oh, well, comes down and gets close to. So. So that was like relief that I'm not infected. But it was like such a contrast between like the men 
And then yeah. definitely the, some male gaze the, action going oh, on. Oh no, I was yeah. gonna say this yeah. is the epitome of the male gaze. This is exactly yeah. what the male gaze is. Yeah. One hundred percent. Hey, and I'm a male and I picked up on that. So I guess, you know Points. Job done. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they everyone's cool, everyone's fine, everyone's clear. They all split up and go to bed. And Scully's like, Good night, Mulder. And I'm glad that everyone's okay. And Mulder, you know, Mr. Optimist that he is, is like, well, I mean, the dog spots went away. So, and then they close the doors and Scully's like, oh. so she's like in a room in a again, she's in a nice room where like, there's like pinup posters on the wall <laughs> and bosom buddies and, and not the TV show with Tom Hanks, but like, you know, women and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, Which know, it was like one of the researchers rooms. So like, I kind yeah, well, I mean, of all, you know, it, and, all but... the, and all the researchers were men. So, you know, but uh, but she puts her stuff down, and then she's like, "There's like a like a dresser in the room, and it's got like photos, like you know, I guess you you bring photos of your family." So she's looking at the photos, and then all of a sudden she just like drops the photos and like, boom, pushes the dresser in front of the door, and just like slides down against the wall, crouches, and we assume maybe she's gonna sleep right there up against the wall. Yeah, and the dresser. Which so. I get because she's pretty freaked out by the possibility of one of these people coming in <laughs> and being yeah. infected. And also like, there's no way to change these sheets that have, I mean, I know it's not their biggest problem, but still it's like, there's all there's the rooms they're staying in are the rooms of the dead people. And there's no way to like clean the bedding. So that's, yeah. Weird. I mean, I get it. It's, it's someone else's bed, which is obvious, but it's not like they were dead in the bed. I know, but so, still like, but, I just, yeah. uh, it would bother yeah. me a lot. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but again, not their biggest problem for sure. So Mulder wakes up with a start and he hears a door close outside. So he gets dressed and he heads out to investigate and he passes Denny's room and the door is open and the bed is made and Denny's Walkman's on the bed but Denny's not in there. So he heads to the lab and he sees, he like kind of looks around and then he notices there's blood dripping from one of the fridges. So he bends. We don't, we don't know that he knows it's blood. There's just like, there's a liquid. There's reddish liquid dripping red. from, yeah, from the so door. It does look like, but it could be like sediment from one of the ice cores or something. Yeah. So like crappy fridge freezer because it doesn't even seal properly because like stuff is dripping out the door right not great science equipment we need more science funding anyway so he bends down to kind of examine the liquid and as he does he's like crouched down in front of the fridge and he reaches up and pulls the fridge open which seems like the worst the worst way but i guess he's trying to like let me see what's dripping so he opens the fridge and denny's body falls out on top of him yeah well i mean it's the best way to have a body fall on you it is yeah and that's what they wanted because dramatic Yeah. And we also just like when we got the scene of like Scully doing that, we also got a, I don't think we got scenes of Hodge and De Silva, but before we get Mulder waking up, we did also get a little short segment of Denny, like kind of like crouched up on his bed with his headphones in, just kind of like holding his Walkman and just like, you know, very, you know, stressed out and just like listening to his, his ball games. Right. So, yeah. And he was the nice guy. So of course he was going to be the one who dies. Of course. Yeah. Oh, so, dang. The others apparently have heard the commotion and come running in and find Mulder standing over Denny's dead body. And Mulder's like, I didn't kill him. I just found him. 
And Scully says that he needs to let Hodge give him a blood test. They're like, well, you're infected. And he's like, I'm not. And he's like, this guy, I'll just mess up the results. He'll probably try and make me look like I'm infected. So Scully and Mulder start to argue. They end up pulling their guns on each other. And then Scully says, Mulder, you might not be who you are. Which is basically like, you may have slit Denny's throat with your gun. Which, like, dude, his throat is slit and Mulder has a gun. But anyway, so... Her saying that because that's almost what, you know, what Richter was saying, like, you know, we are not who we are. So that kind of makes Mulder realize what's going on. So he puts his gun down. And so they don't actually do a test on Mulder, but they do lock him in a small room and with a bolt on the outside so they can, you know, lock him in so he can't get out. And Mulder tells Scully that he'll be safer in here than she will be out there. Right. And he's not lying. He's not. And it's kind of weird that they didn't, like, get a blood sample or something first. Like, well, but Mulder was, like, I mean, Mulder was pretty adamant that, like, he didn't trust anybody true. to do a blood sample. So they were like, okay, well, if you're, not gonna, if you're not going to do a blood sample, we need to isolate you. Yeah, because so he doesn't I, trust Hodge yeah, so not it's kind to of like a, it. So I guess like that's a large, why. Like a, I'm guessing it's like a tool shed, utility closet kind of thing. Yeah. So And so they close the door on him, and there's a bolt that they can, you know. Right. Deal down. Yeah. So so he's so he's trapped in there. He yeah. cannot get out. Right. Yeah. So back in the lab, Scully finds De Silva and Hodge, and they're both asleep at their desks, like they've passed out basically. And so since they're like asleep and kind of bent over, she walks over to De Silva and kind of tries to move her hair and check the back of her neck. And while she's doing that, Hodge grabs her, and it's like, dude, just let her check for the pair. Oh, why are you being yeah. such a jerk? What are you gonna? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Like, are you gonna infect her by looking at her neck? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. So anyway, Hodge convinces Scully to take the clip out of her gun because he says, "Well, it's not really fair that you have a gun because if you get infected, we're all screwed." So she takes the clip out and she goes and throws it outside. And then Hodge says the three of them can't turn their backs on each other; they have to work together. And Scully's like, "Look, Mulder's still one of us." And Hodge says if Mulder's infected, he's not allowed to go back with them. And Scully gets frustrated and she tries to radio for help and it doesn't work. Yeah. And apparently Scolder also, Scolder, <laughs> boom, I knew it was coming. So apparently Scully also had Mulder's gun because she must have taken it from him when she locked him away. Right. And so like both of their, both of their guns, she pops the clips out. Doesn't necessarily empty the chambers. I don't know if there were bullets in the chamber or not. You know, gun safety, there shouldn't have been, but who knows. But she pops out the clips and then like, yeah, throws those outside. So then Hodge and De Silva are working on microscopes. They're doing like blood work and that kind of stuff. And he tells De Silva to put some unaffected blood on the infected blood. Right. And at first she's like, what? What are you? And he's like, I told you, listen, like, again, maybe a little misogyny from Hodge. Oh, sure. 100%. But yeah, I told you, put the uninfected blood on the infected blood. So she goes to do it and he looks over and she's not doing that. She's putting infected blood on the infected blood. And he's like, what are you doing? I told you, you're messing it up. And so she's like, oh, and like storms off. But apparently in the midst of their yelling at each other, she did manage to put the slide into the microscope mm -hmm. because then Scully just was like, oh, I'll just look in the microscope anyway. And she sees that the infected blood, the two infected bloods, each had a little worm larva thing in it. And they're fighting. And then they kill each other. So they're both dead. So she's like, oh my God, if we put one larva with another larva, the worms kill each other. That might be the cure. 
So if someone gets infected with two worms, the two worms will kill each other. So she opens the fridge and they've got the two jarred worms there. And so she puts the two jars next to each other and the worms are like, oh, I'm going to get you. And like, bang, 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 hitting the glass, trying to fight each other. And so, yep, if you put a worm in someone who's infected, the second worm will kill the first worm and the first worm will kill the second worm because apparently that's how worm death works. It's like, you know, you can't, one person can't win. You both have to die. they just kill each other. Yeah, so it must be like, yeah, some... Because like, they're so aggressive that they just... Vulcan both... mind-milled kind of thing that they just, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so we've got a cure now. The cure is the disease. Ooh. Yeah, and so two things. One, Hodge is a jerk. I don't like that guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, he... And I get the point. is like he's acting aggressive, and it's kind of like, is he infected, or is he just yeah, a jerk? Yeah, they're all kind of aggressive in a way. But, I mean, they're also all... Like, so I could never go on, like, a reality show because the sleep deprivation and the stress and, like... And this is, you know, it's a very... This is not a reality show, but it's like, you know, they're sleep-deprived, they're super stressed out, they're in a really intense situation... Like, of course, everyone's a little bit unhinged and aggressive because, like, they're all running on empty and they're scared and they're tired. Yeah. Ironically, the least aggressive of the group is the one they locked in the closet. Right. But <laughs> Or yeah. the dead guy in the freezer, which, you know, he was Well, pretty... yeah, I mean, well, yeah, he's definitely not going to be aggressive because he's dead. But he wasn't aggressive. So, anyway, yeah. I just, I, my heart... He didn't slit his own throat and then put himself in the freezer. <laughs> Poor Denny. Oh, he you deserved know. better. Yeah. Yeah. And also the CGI worms look super fake. They look super fake. Yeah, I mean, 1993, I get it. I mean, maybe this is where a lot of their budget money went, which is why they were over budget with making CGI worms. But <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's almost like when you look at it, it's like they're they're in front of the glass. It's like, there's no, like they're not inside anything. You just see like, you see jars and you see CGI worms that like superimposed over the jars. So they needed like some kind of like filters, like maybe some, you know, like distortion from the water effects or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not great. Oh, well. But, you know, 1993, what are you going to do? It is what it is. Yeah. So they decided to test their theory by putting a second worm in the dog who they've put the dog in like a cage and every time they walk by it at this point, it's barking and, you know, obviously yeah. being really aggressive. Yeah. So they decide that they'll test this theory. So they get the cage open and they manage to get the worm into the dog's ear and it like slides into the ear and then there's some jerking and the dog like whines a little, but then it calms down and it just lays down and it whines like not in a I'm hurting way, but in a, oh, I'm sorry, I was a jerk way. It's really cute. So they open the cage and they let it out. The dog's heart sounds normal. And then apparently there's like a time jump a little and they're feeding the dog and Hodge comes out with gloves and takes his gloves off. And he says that it did pass both worms in its stool. So they're both dead. So it worked. Yeah. And obviously some time has passed because I know most dogs tend to poop after they eat. Right. Whereas like he's coming out saying it passed the stool and Scully's like giving the dog a bowl of food. Uh, maybe so. it's, it hasn't eaten in like who knows how long. Maybe it's the second. Yeah. The last bowl. thing it ate was worms and people <laughs> blood and whatever. Anyway. So they decide they're going to put a worm in Mulder and cure him because that's science. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, maybe it is because it worked on the dog, right? Of course, they don't know that Mulder is infected. So Scully's like, we can't do this unless we know he's actually infected because, yeah, you don't want to infect someone with a worm who's not already infected. And also, 
this is their last worm. Right. So if they if they screw up and infect Mulder, then they don't have a worm to cure him. Right, and they can they probably gonna... get one from the like little things in the blood, but it's going to take a while, and who knows how they incubate. So that could be well, a and they're process. Yeah, I was going to say, how are they going to incubate? They're going to have to inject it in someone right. and then get it out, which if they get it out, it's going to kill whoever they take it out of. Yeah, so, so there's not a, a great there's system There's not a here. good solution, yeah. <laughs> so she also wants to get Mulder to volunteer to do it, so it's not being done against his will. Right. So Hodge and De Silva don't want Scully to go talk to him. They're like, no, we just need to get him and put the worm in him. She's like, no, like I need to talk to him. And they're like, well, what if you go in there and he attacks you? And she's like, well, then you guys can come in and save me. Right. But I'm going to go in there and talk to him. So she goes in there and she's like, no one's been killed since we locked you up. And we figured out what works. We, if we put a worm in someone, it kills the other worm and they're cured. And so we're going to put a worm in you. And he's like, if you put a worm in me, you're going to infect me. And again, he's not lying. Right. So she asked, well, like, why wouldn't you let us inspect you? And he's like, I would have, but you pulled a gun on me. So I didn't really want to trust you. I want to trust you, though. And I definitely don't trust them, but I do want to trust you. So he let Scully check him out. So she looks at his back and his neck, and he looks good. So like, okay, cool. I think you're not infected. Maybe not the most scientific proof that he's not infected, but okay, good enough. So they turn around to go to leave, and then he grabs Scully. And starts checking her neck. Right. Okay, cool. He's not a psycho. He just just checking her. She's also fine. So they walk out. Right. And meanwhile, before they come out, De Silva and Hodge are outside. And De Silva's like, Scully's not going to cooperate, even if Mulder's infected. Like, she's convinced that they're not going to do the right thing. She's an instigator. Yeah, she really is. She, she likes trauma, which I guess <laughs> makes sense. Because she's later on, what is it, Desperate Housewives? Yeah. Anyway, and I mean, and I mean, and if we're gonna go with how the script's written, she's also a woman, so yeah. she's obviously a troublemaker and doesn't know what she's doing. So, yeah. um, so Mulder and Scully—that's not come... me. That's the script, right? Yeah, I mean, she's no one is written really well here except Denny, maybe. So, well, um, he, you know, they only had to write half an episode for him. So, uh, so Mulder and Scully come out and say that they've examined each other and neither one has any sign of a worm under their skin. So that means if they're not infected, either Hodge or De Silva is infected and one of them killed Denny. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And Hodge and De Silva have kind of come up with a plan while Mulder and Scully were in the other room. So Hodge is like, yeah, we should do the exams in the main building, which just, just do them right there. Like why, why even go anywhere else? But that's his plan, and Mulder and Scully, I guess, don't want to be aggressive or whatever, so they agree, and so they get Mulder in front of Hodge, like Hodge gets Mulder in front of him, and then he jumps him. And the Silva jumps Scully, and she pushes her back into the room where they'd been keeping Mulder, and she locks her in, and Hodge rushes Mulder to the ground, and Scully tries to break the door open with a giant metal drill bit that's in there, so she's like banging on the door handle, trying to get out. Yep. So Hodge is holding Mulder down and De Silva gets the worm and she's got it with, you know, big, like, you know, science tongs, forceps, whatever. And she's getting ready to put it in his ear and Mulder's like, ah! and then as she's, she, it's like, I'm not sure why she's hesitating because it's like next to his ear and she's just like holding it there. But good thing she did because then Hodge looks over and sees that apparently her hair has moved away from her neck and he, there's a worm under her neck. So he's like, Boom! <laughs> Knocks the silver to the floor. 
worm goes flying, right? Ford steps and worm. It almost seems like they went under the door, like where Scully's at, but she drops those. And then he's like, it's her that's infected. So she gets up and hauls butt. So then Mulder lets Scully out and they go chasing after De Silva. And Hodge is like, whoa, got to get the worm. So he gets the forceps and gets the worm. And the worm's all <laughs> wiggling around on the floor. But he grabs it with the forceps. And then he goes after them to get to Silva. And she's in the lab. And she is just like suddenly raging. She is like like a three-year-old who's told they can't have ice cream because ice cream man's down the street. And just like smashing stuff, knocking stuff off tables, banging like busted open glass cabinets. And just like tearing the place up. And then she opens a drawer and they've got the guns all bagged up. It looks like probably the ones from the two gentlemen who, you know, shot themselves. And she pulls the gun out of the bag and apparently it's still loaded. So she turns it to shoot the guys coming down the hallway. But Mulder tackles her and then they all just dogpile her. And then Hodge gets the worm and he puts in her ear and she's like, and then she calms down and it's all good. Yep, award-winning and Oscar-nominated Felicity Huffman, everyone. Yeah, and let's not forget convicted felon Felicity Huffman, everyone. Yeah, yeah, that was for the like getting her kid into school thing. Yeah, right? she, yeah, she paid fifteen thousand dollars to, like, apparently the details were like to boost SAT scores, and so I guess there was like some coach guy who was doing all this kind of stuff because like, it wasn't just her, right? There right. was like a whole group of people who were doing it, but, like the. Woman from like Full House or Fuller House or I guess both. Yeah, actually. I think she's on uh, both. Lori Laughlin is that her name? Whatever. Yeah, Lori anyway, Laughlin. Yeah, but apparently she did. She was even way more egregious. So Felicity Huffman apparently just like paid fifteen thousand dollars to not like tutor her daughter, but to pay someone to give her daughter extra time taking the SATs, but then also like boost the scores when it was graded. Huh. So. Yeah, so she got convicted of that. It must be so nice to just have like $15,000 to throw at things like that. You're just like, hear about this thing from your also rich neighbor. And they're like telling you over the fence of their giant backyard that they're like, yeah, you can just pay this money and this guy will up your kid's SAT scores. And you just have that money. Well, and you're going to assume like her kid probably went to a good school, probably had like tutors. Oh, yeah. She paid $15,000 to do this got caught so then she had to pay a thirty thousand dollar fine and then Ugh. i mean she served like 11 days of a 14 day sentence that had been pleaded down from like a month so it's not like right. she was that you know like show she had to suffer um because i mean you know there's other cases of people who aren't white and actresses who actually served like years of prison time for not doing much different but anyway yeah anyway yeah. our system is broken yeah and obviously i'm going to assume like Emmy Award winner, Oscar nominee. She must have gotten better at acting at some point. Yeah, so she's in Sports Night, which I really loved in the early 2000s. So that's like eight to ten years later, and she's really good in that. She's good in parts of this episode, but like maybe it's just because it's such a ridiculous thing and they're like directing her, but like she does go from like zero to a hundred when she's having her tantrum and like breaking everything and it's i get that she's supposed to be aggressive but if the worm is making you uncontrollably aggressive how are you able to control it so well and then it's only when you're found out like bear is able to control it he's able to act really calm and pretend he's gonna take the jar well yeah but that was like for like five seconds right but but i mean just overall like if this worm is supposed to make you so aggressive that you're strangling people like and attacking them like how come well, and also i mean you gotta think like she didn't like rage and kill denny she like maybe lured him out of his room 
and then slit his throat and then stuffed him in a freezer. Right. So it's not like she like attacked him in his room and there was like this big scuffle and you know, yeah. he's found like And then she's there. like totally like low key and just like, Well, you got some stuff on you and Scully got some stuff on her and you know, they're probably plotting in that room. But then again, she's also the only woman who was infected. True. So who's to say that it doesn't affect men differently than it affects women? Maybe, maybe women are just better at being I mean, infected by aliens. I mean, that is that is parasites. a science thing where we tend to test all our drugs on like you know the standard like 180 pound man. It's true. And then when we go to like you know prescribe drugs to women, it causes reactions that no one expected. Right. Like so, it doesn't. It makes your birth control not work because no one bothered to test it to see if that affects it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Because why would we test on women? why would we test anything no i mean it is is a serious issue but it is funny that like her reaction like it's just yeah i i mean i think it's probably just like not good script writing it's because they don't want us to know who's got it so but i also could be like well she is the first woman to get it right and so we do know that you know in general men tend to be more aggressive than women just because like testosterone so you know maybe who knows yeah, so anyway. I mean, I'm not really willing to give Glenn Morgan a pass, but, you know. <laughs> Poor Glenn. You know what's funny? It's like Morgan's getting a beating. Wong is getting off easy here. Like He keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> He's freaking smart. He doesn't go around blah, 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 blah. Oh, you know why we didn't? This episode wasn't good because we didn't steal enough when, like, oh, come on. Okay, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. So then we cut to do little airfield in Nome, Alaska. And we don't see very much, but we do see De Silva in a hazmat suit and she's on a gurney and she's being rolled into an ambulance. And Hodge says that she'll be held in quarantine along with the dog until they're sure that neither of them can infect anyone else. Yeah, we didn't see the dog, but we assume. We don't see the dog. We just assume that the dog is. Maybe it's in a little doggy hazmat suit. That'd be cute. That would be cute. Yeah, we don't see. But the dog is alive. Basically, they tell us the dog is fine, which is the more than they did for that poor cat in Shadows. So I'll take it. Um, and then... here. It's like, introduce animals and just like, oh, yeah, we'll just assume something. Anyway. Always, first of all, the animal should always live. And second, we should always know that it lives. Oh, and yeah, I want on-screen Yeah, you don't mess with, like, you know, Road Warrior, when his dog dies, you're like, oh, it's on now. You killed his dog. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Don't mess with animals. Yeah. So anyway, Hodge tells them that their tests all came back clean, so they're all free to go. And Mulder, <laughs> oh, Mulder, I love him, but Mulder, he says like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going right back to that research station because <laughs> he has so much left to learn about this life that may have originated outside of our planet. Yeah. So apparently now Mulder thinks he's a paleobiologist. So I yeah. don't know. Anyway, so Hodge tells them that like, he's like, oh, you didn't hear they torched the place. Like, he doesn't know who did it. Like, Scully asks who, and Hodge is like, I don't know, the military, the CDC, and very much like, they're your people. You should know. Like, he still does not trust them at all. Yeah. And it was like, he says that's like 45 minutes after they left, they did it. So, like, they were on. Oh, yeah. Point as soon as that. they got them out, they just torched yeah. the whole thing. As soon as they were like out of eyesight. Yeah. And Mulder says, Well, it's still down there, 200,000 years down in the ice. And Scully's just like, Leave it there, Mulder. Leave it there. Yeah, just drop it, okay? Yeah, don't. We don't yeah. need to pull that thing back out. Yeah. It's You're not good. a paleobiologist, okay? You're a very good psychologist. Just let it go. Yeah, yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you owned Conduit on VHS. I did, and, wa- and had watched it several times, even though you kind of like didn't remember what it was about. Yeah. But apparently, this was the uh, 
the cassette mate of yeah. Conduit. They so, would they would put two episodes on a cassette. So and what's funny is like I remembered that I had this one on cassette, and I was trying to figure out like I knew I had Conduit, but I didn't have like Jersey Devil. I didn't think, and I knew I had this one. I didn't realize that they had like made sets that weren't yeah. chronologically. They weren't in chronological order. Yeah, when they first started releasing TV shows like that on VHS, like you know, it, it took a while before they started doing like you know, like now we're spoiled. I like, guess buying DVDs instead of just like streaming everything. It's like you can buy like you know series one series two the box set of like the whole series right right well like back in the day it was like you'd get like here's episode three and seven on a cassette there you go for some reason it's those two i think it was sort of like a best of thing this episode i definitely remembered a lot better like i remembered that it was about the worms i remembered it was like a bottle episode i remembered it was like kind of a you know they're all stuck in this little station and that someone's infected i could not remember who was infected i knew it wasn't Mulder and scully but i couldn't remember if it was hodge or de silva so that was kind of interesting but yeah it's definitely one that i had seen many many times yeah the only thing i remember about this episode so obviously i i had seen it like i watched all of season one mm-hmm. the only thing i really remembered though was that it was basically like i mean I'll be blunt, it was basically like a ripoff of like the thing right so you know story-wise i mean i mean they changed it stuff right i mean the thing is like a shape-shifting alien it's still got that premise of like, you don't know who to trust kind of thing, which is a little bit different. Cause I mean, there was, a, I haven't actually seen John Carpenter's a thing. I, I kind of actually want to go and watch it now. Cause I, I, I have nightmares. So like, I can't watch it. Like Shaun of the dead gave me nightmares like for a month. Shaun of the dead did. Yeah. So oh, I'm not really big on scary things. I'm also very like zombies creep me that's probably one reason why i didn't watch the, like i read the comic of the walking dead and that also may have been a reason why i stopped reading the comic of the walking dead i definitely wasn't going to watch the show because zombies freak me out because like they're people yeah okay and like here in portland for a long time like around that same time of like Shaun of the dead and that kind of thing they would do like the zombie walks yes. here in town i would not go outside because i do not trust myself because I have just enough like disconnect from reality that like if, if someone came at me looking like a zombie, I would probably try and kill them. Oh man! So, See, and I've yeah. been to they do those in Seattle too, and I went to one in Fremont, and I have like a whole not it's not like a roll of photos because it was my digital camera, but I have like a whole bunch of photos from the zombie walk. I love zombies though. I'm super no, into zombies because stuff. I am like like self preservation. Like I ain't not gonna trust you. Like I said, I have enough disconnect from reality to be like you might be a real zombie, and I am <laughs> not gonna be the person who got bit by a real zombie because I thought it was a fake zombie. I mean, you, in these in dead. these times, the fact that. That's probably a better survival instinct. Yeah. So I like, you know, I, I, and I realize, you know, fortunately I realized that about myself. And so I was like, oh, they're doing a zombie walk by like a place where I normally would like, when maybe be on my scooter and like maybe be at a stoplight when people would walk by. I am not going out right now. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I did. So I knew I'd seen this. And like I said, I, I definitely remember that aspect of it. But. I also, because of that, I kind of made the mistake of doing some research prior to rewatching it since I was like, oh, you know, I know I've seen this. I'm probably not going to remember much of it, but when I see it, I'll be like, oh, yeah. That's kind of been like the pattern as I'm watching these episodes. Like, you know, I see a scene and be like, oh, God, I totally remember that scene now, even though like I wouldn't have thought about it beforehand. But like in doing all this research, it's just like Glenn Morgan has just like sucked all the life out of this episode <laughs> with his blah, 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 whatever. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to really work hard on my rating for this because I'm gonna have to try and like extract that from my enjoyment of the episode. Because 
it definitely saps some of the energy from me. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been reading ahead at all. I'm trying to go in with like just whatever I happen to remember, if anything. Like, and if I don't remember anything, it's like, oh, cool. This is maybe while I'm watching, I'll be like, oh, this is that episode. But like this one, I did. Yeah. Well, I had I had I had gone to the drive, and I saw that you had written down your your because you watch them before I do because you're in charge of actually doing like you know the the summary (laughs) the summaries right or the recap. Yeah, you you do like the front end, I do the back end, right? Yeah. And so that's how our, our division of labor works. And so I was like, oh, and so I just I clicked on it and started looking through it. And then I was like, oh, and I see some notes you written. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so then I started flipping through my books and saw, you know, I saw some of your comments about stuff that he had said. And then I started looking through my books and I saw other stuff that he had said. And it was just like, oh, uh, <laughs> this person. He just like sets off my bullshit meter. Like, it's just like, just be quiet. Like, stop <laughs> talking. Like, you, you apparently love giving interviews and will just say things. So, but yeah. Anyway, so on that note, I guess, unless you've got something else to say, uh, what's your rating for the episode? Yeah, this one's hard because, like, I enjoy it. There's definitely some some aspects of it I'm not a huge fan of, which I don't care if you write someone like a jerk, but, like, yeah, there is, like, some misogyny and that whole, like, let's show this really steamy scene between two women checking each other for spots. Like, yeah, that, that was seemed very... pointless. Like, that was silly. So, but otherwise, like, I think as a whole, the episode works. Like, it's a contained mystery. It's like, who's infected? What's going on? What are the, what is this parasite thing? Like, I it's thought it It's apparently a very, very, like, people rate this as, like, one of the top episodes of yeah. the entire show. Like, all 11 seasons. Yeah, and it's, I can see why. Because it is really solid for the most part. Like, there wasn't anything where I'm like... That makes no sense. Like, obviously, how the worm affects certain people, like, that just might be how it affects certain people. Like, maybe some people hold their stuff together. And we don't see what happens to the research guys. So we don't know if, like, they were sneaky about it. Maybe they were tricking people to come into a room and then strangling the life out of them. Who knows? Maybe it's because they all had different worms in them and the worms want to kill the other worms, so they just attacked each other because of that so who knows so like i think overall though it holds up it holds together it makes sense it's like a pretty solid episode i don't think i like it as much as squeeze Mm. but i like it more than deep throat and i definitely like if i was watching an x-files marathon and this one came on i'd be like cool i'll get some popcorn so i think i'm gonna give it a 6.5 oh okay because you would you give squeeze a seven i think i gave squeeze a seven and i gave deep throat a five so I'm going to give this okay. a 6.5. So this is a okay. little more than a 6. It's almost a squeeze territory. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to struggle with this a little bit because I almost like want to retroactively go and give squeeze a lower number just because like Glenn Morgan is just like on my nerve. <laughs> and I realize that's like that's like me. That's like a thing. That's a like thing I have to deal with. Related to that, like the whole like anger aggression thing <laughs> and like holding it together. I am someone who in my youth and I mean, you know, it's 2020. So currently I do, I'm starting to have some resurgence of struggling with like anger issues a lot. It does wear you out to feel like that. Yeah. Like you get it, you, you get exhausted from it. 
just like all that stuff flowing through your body. So I could possibly see where like, you know, the worm, because like, you know, the assumption is like the worm is feeding off whatever chemical it is that happens to make us aggressive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it feeds off of. And so like our aggressiveness is actually like a byproduct of the worm just feeding. Right. It's not like it's trying to make us aggressive. It's just like, that's what it needs. But like that would wear you down. So you're going to have moments of like, where like, you know, you just like, you know, kind of like, Oh, and then, but then, but then you're like totally, you know, wired to like, if something sets you off, you'll go back off again. Right. So I could see where like, you would have some moments of, you know, like yeah. in, in the opening, like they're getting rid you know, they've got guns on each other and then, you know, it's just like exhaustion or whatever, enough recollection to be like, no, you know, let's not do this. We need to actually do, cause like, if you shoot me, I'm going to stay alive. I'm going to infect people. I shoot you. I'm going to stay alive. I'm going to infect people. We need to end this properly. Right. By, you know, so I could get that. But then again, like, a, you know, like I said, I need to try and separate my Glenn Morganness from this episode. <laughs> so, and then also I am getting a l- we're like on what? Eight. Let's see, we're on eight. So this was ice before this was uh ghost in the machine yes yes ghost in the machine and then we had shadows the jersey devil not so much conduit a little bit but like we got like four episodes kind of that are like derivative in a way of other things in media yeah and so like like very derivative not just like oh we had it's a similar idea but and so i'm kind of i'm kind of getting a little weary of like can we please stop like just like lifting shit from other places like directly for episodes yeah i think they were still finding their own like voice yeah because like conduit we get like i kind of mentioned we i mean it's not so much the poltergeist because it's not ghosts but we do it is very fire in the sky which came out like right you know a few months before this episode came out so i don't know when the episodes were written shadows they admit was off of the entity the movie ghost of the machine is definitely like 2001 a space odyssey this is definitely like john carpenter's a thing and who goes there the book and so not so much the 1951 movie because that the alien is something completely different because it's like the 50s so they can't really do you know that kind of stuff so i'm getting a little weary of like the lifting ideas definitely weary of morgan in his mouth so um I mean, it is a good episode. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't understand why it's like considered one of the best episodes, possibly. A lot of the people seem to think that it's very good because it shows like Scully and Mulder's relationship and how, like, despite all their aggression, they're able to like get past that and trust each other. And so it's kind of like building that bond. And some people are even like, well, it's really weird that they're doing that so early on in the show to build that bond. Usually that's something that would happen later. They did, like I said, they did move this episode up because they were trying to save money. Right. So, so I get that. So, and I'm a lot like you with which episode was it that we were talking about how you really liked a lot of the character development that happened in the episode. I think that was conduit, but like just, yeah, the character building in the episode. And so like, I get that, but hmm, I have so many things going on in my head. I can't think what I want to rate this. <laughs> I'm so awful. It's funny. Cause last time I talked about how I really wished I could have rated the Jersey devil higher than I did. And I actually did originally say I was going to give Jersey Devil a four and then I changed to a three, but that's not me. So I think I'm going to give this one a, man, I do like to delay, delay, delay. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up now. That's okay. I mean, and you know, I think we have to understand that like the number scale is technically sort of fixed, but like our relationship to it is changing every, every episode. Yeah. Because we're getting more and more right. data and points. And so like how you on. relate to like, cause you know, how you relate to this episode is going to be different, but you've already. Well, had. and I mean, and again, like I said, it, it's a personal issue that it's, it's more me than the episode, but like, I need to not listen to what Glenn Morgan is saying because he talks about, he t- that's the thing. Like, like he's a executive producer, a co-executive producer on, on the entire season, basically. Right. So he talks about episodes they didn't even write. So like, cause he talked a lot about ghosts in the machine, which he didn't write. And you know, about how like, Oh, we just, we were afraid to steal from it. And it's like, okay, whatever. But so I need to stop looking at what Glenn Morgan says, which is going to be hard. Cause everyone loves to like put his, like every single book I look at has stuff that Glenn Morgan says. So Yeah, well, he was probably more vocal than some of the other people on the show. So that's where people got their info. Because he can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Why? Sorry, Glenn Morgan. He's I still like whore. you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. He might be the misogyny writing. <laughs> he might be. I don't know anything about him except what's on the screen, basically. like. Yep, he could be a trump voting misogyny whatever who knows oh, yeah i hope not i hope not anyway now that i totally like gonna get sued by glenn morgan um he's yeah. we, we have none of that that's all we just <laughs> cut that out ah leave it in i'm not afraid of you glenn morgan <laughs> he's probably a very nice man <laughs> yeah <I don't> know. <laughs> maybe maybe he's listening to this podcast and he's just like now he's really sad. He's like that kid uh-huh. in Arrested Development who's just super sad walking home now. Oh, well. <laughs> well. Maybe think about that next time you want to blab your mouth, Glenn Morgan. I'm not giving up. Sorry, Glenn Morgan. You're on my list. <laughs> I'm a grudge holder. so Grudge list. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's me. Anyway, yep. so next week we'll be mm, talking. Yeah, I, I'm a grudge holder. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a vendetta. You ain't messing with me. So, yep. And next week, we'll be talking about space. <laughs> and I don't know who wrote that one. So. Uh, Chris Carter did, I think. Oh, cool. I think. Yeah, I think Chris Carter wrote it. I'm sure there'll be comments from Glenn Morgan about it, though. So, yeah, Chris Carter wrote space. Okay, I just cool. pulled it my yeah, list, I don't so, yeah. have any memory of what space is about, so that'll be interesting. Oh, I, I kind of remember. And don't, then again, I kind of looked at stuff. Oh, so, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. And it's such a vague title like space it can be about literally anything so i'm like I all mean, right cool i'm going to oh, assume man. that it's gonna be about alien i mean i would guess but you never know with this show they could just totally toss it up like oh you thought we were talking about aliens but it's really the space in the attic let's get paragraphs and paragraphs from glenn morgan about how like haha we thought we were gonna steal a space movie we actually stole something else no anyway <laughs> he didn't write it so it probably is not that stoly so Stoli, that's a word now. Oh anyway. dear. <laughs> yeah. So, Anyhow. Yeah. Next episode, space. Join us. <laughs> I am just high on fresh air. I know, I know. We finally have fresh air, <laughs> and then there's also like devastating news in the world, and so it's like this weird transition yeah. of like, yay, we can breathe again, but also you can't breathe that well because everything's crumbling no. down. So yeah, take a breath of fresh air while you can, because we're gonna have to burn everything down. Mm. So anyway, yeah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs>
So I guess it's probably time to uh, end it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool, cool. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Research for this episode includes X-Files Confidential, The Unauthorized X-Files Companion by Ted Edwards. X marks a spot on location with The X-Files by Louisa Gradnitzer and Todd Pitson. The X-Files Declassified by Frank Levese. Ooh, you're getting fancy with that. Did you look that up? No. Okay. I realize I've been, I was going back and listening to the episodes because I'm editing them, obviously. I think I say his name different in every episode. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. The Truth is Out There, the official guide to the X-Files by Brian Lowry, whose name is always said the same. Wanting to Believe, a critical guide to the X-Files, Millennium, and the Lone Gunman by Robert Shearman. And The X-Files, the official archives, cryptids, biological anomalies, and parapsychic phenomena by Paul Terry. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever fine podcasts are found. Or simply head over to I want to rewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Rewatch X Files and on Instagram, we're I want to rewatch. You can also email us at I want to rewatch at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch Episode 9, Space! <laughs> and try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still, still out, out there. there. Glenn Morgan really took a hit this week. <laughs> I feel bad. I know nothing about this man at all. So, like, who knows? I don't even know if he's still alive. I don't know what his deal is. Well, I know, like myself, he can't shut his mouth. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we all have that in common, right? That's talk about Glenn Morgan <laughs> not knowing how to shut up. Nick, be quiet. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't even know what he looks like, but like, I want to punch him. Like, I just feel like he probably has a punchable face. I don't know, but it's like, yeah, anyway, oh. like the, that's probably more me than Glenn Morgan, but probably. Anyway, yeah. <laughs>